0: Church of Omaha, if we could gather into our seats and uh, hallelujah. I am really thankful to be with you here today and uh, just to worship the Lord together. If we could turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 26. And we'll start at uh, verse 6, and then we're going to jump over to Luke chapter 7, a couple different stories here. But Matthew chapter 26, verse 6, it says, Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he set at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment may have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye this woman? For she hath wrought a great work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me have you not always. For what she hath poured out, this ointment on my body, she hath done it for my burial. Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to us today, God, God, let your word go forth and let it change our lives as you've spoken to me, God, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This particular passage here in Matthew, and then we'll jump over to the book of Luke, but it, it takes place right before Jesus is going to go to the cross, right before he is going to go through the um, all the beatings and the suffering and passion, and the, the passion. Um, right before all of that, he is sitting in Bethany. Now there's multiple stories where Jesus is, ha- has a woman come in and, and wash his feet or anoint his head. And, um, but this particular one takes place in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper. And she comes in with an alabaster box, an alabaster box. Uh, but before we jump much further into that story, I would like to take a similar story from earlier in the book of Luke, up in the north country, and uh, go to Matthew, or Luke chapter six, 7. Luke chapter 7, and we'll look at verse 36, and we're going to take a walk down through here and pull out some, some points before we flip back to Matthew. But in Luke chapter 7, verse 36, it says, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meat. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, she, in this case, also brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself... I like that. He spake within himself. This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this was that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And uh, I'll read just the next verse. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. So when I look at this passage here, Jesus does a lot of teaching and a lot of preaching and a lot of reaching. And he, he goes into the towns and the cities and he invites people. And we, we look at all of the things that unfold with Jesus. And, um, and he gives, gives us the commandment to go into all the world and teach or to preach the gospel. It tells us to make disciples. And so teaching and preaching is very critical in our lives. It's by the preached word of God that we're saved. And, and you know, I've been in situations in my life where where... The preacher, he's a human being, but when they get up, the, the man or woman of God gets up and they, they preach that word, God steps in and does a work, and you're like, well, how can this be? It's because God has chosen to use those methods, and it's, it's critical, and it's important. Um, when you look at books in the, uh, well, you look at any of the New Testament and the Old Testament, ancient books and I mentioned this to someone a bit earlier, uh, um, but ancient books, especially when you, when you think about it, when you look at like cuneiform and all that, and people went along and cut stuff out and you see all these shapes and letters, they didn't even have punctuation. Some of it, they didn't even put spaces in there. It was just whoosh, one long string of letters. And you didn't even know what those words were until you read them, the sounds, out loud. And as you begin to hear the sounds, and so you could potentially tell somebody that you read a lot of books and not know how to read. Why? Because reading was a very public thing and and the sounds were put out there. And so you see this in the Old Testament amongst the children of Israel when when the the stories would be rehearsed in front of them and, and it would be written down and it would be read to them. When Paul would write a letter, he would also have a person who was the reader. And that reader might be there with him when he wrote the letter, or would be there to now hear him say, "Hey, here's how I want this to be read. Emphasize here, not so much there. This is the message I'm trying to get across." And and uh, uh and so people they they would um it was something that they would hear something they would hear. I got to get back over here. I went off on the the writing thing, but. Uh, Um, So now we have Jesus, and he's here in the house, and he's talking, and he's teaching, and he's preaching, and preaching is so very, very important, and we need the Word of God, and we need that preacher to stand there and to read the Word to us. We need to hear it, ingest it, put it in ourselves. The book is supposed to become a part of our lives. It's it's something that's meant to be uh, uh, absorbed, not something external to us. So when we see Jesus here, and this lady comes and washes his feet, I I find it fascinating about the circumstance. Because Jesus has been invited into a house. Now when Jesus would visit a town, or a great man would visit a town, and, and you knew that person was coming... And up in northern Israel, Jesus had worked so many signs, miracles, and wonders. There would be someone who was going to host him. There was going to be a feast. There was going to be a celebration. Somebody great is coming here, and here's what we have planned. When you look at the story of Zacchaeus, you see that Jesus came into the city, and he just kept going. And, and the people that would have stopped him and said, Hey, we, got, we had a meal for you. Jesus was, Oh, I, I got to go, I got to go. And when he makes his way through the city and outside on the other side, Zacchaeus, the, the man that nobody liked very well, the tax collector, is up in a tree because he needed a way to get to Jesus. Zacchaeus, if he'd gotten in the crowd, maybe would have risked getting a, a knife put into his belly from someone who's like, oh, I got you now, uh, for, for all the hatred that would have been towards him. But no, he, he was determined to get to Jesus, so he's up in a tree. And, G- and Zacchaeus says, I want you to come to, or Jesus says, I'm going to your house today. But what was in that moment? It was, hey, the feast that they had designed for me, I wasn't going to do. But Zacchaeus, I knew I was going to find you. And while you maybe weren't planning to invite me, or you had been too shy to invite me, I know you want me to visit you. And you're in that tree, and I've come to visit you as well. And so he goes to Zacchaeus' house for a feast. So this is an important thing. This this place to feast, and I suppose I can add a few more details in. But uh, we have the chairs here, and if they were on the platform, it'd probably, probably look a little better. But they'd have a in a house and in a in a room, they'd have what they called a triclinium, big fancy word, it means that if you walked in the room, and this was the room right here, and you had a kind of a table area, you'd have what looked maybe like a couch right here, and one right here, and one down the other side, and and they would stretch out on those things and rest on their elbow, and it would be turned a little bit to the side, and they could be like this and reach up and grab food off the table, and you'd be staggered a bit, so you'd have one individual here, another individual here, and, and, and it would go around, and you had the place of the server, and you had the spot where it was the, the individual who was the master or the royalty, and the, you had these spots there. i lay this out for you because when uh, Jesus' feet begin to get washed... Suddenly, you're not like, well, Jesus is eating and they come down to his feet? That'd be really weird, right? Um, No, she came up behind him where his feet were stretched out and she began to wash his feet. But Jesus is in the house and he has been invited. He's been invited. And the Pharisee desires that he would come and eat with him. Oh, that had to be a privilege. You know, Jesus comes and he says, or that you come to Jesus and you say, "Would you come to my house today? Would you come?" I, I don't, I don't know. I, I maybe. Boy, it's a, if the governor walked in here today, Jeremy, I'm probably not gonna be like, "Man, it's such an honor to meet you. Would you come eat at my house? Would you like to go out to eat with me today?" I, I'm, I'm gonna probably feel like that's not my place to say, but this Pharisee. Maybe with the customs and the cultures, like, my house is the place. Would you come eat? And Jesus blesses him and graces him, this great man, and says, You know, I'm going to come to your house. So, what kind of conversations are gonna occur around the table? What kind of teaching is gonna go out? What, what great things is Jesus gonna share? Is he gonna tell him something like he, he told Zacchaeus and, and, and let him know, you know, all, all, all these good stories and all these blessings? Or what, what is he gonna do around the table? Is he gonna tell him salvation's come to his house? Jesus does teach the Pharisee, and that tells me that Jesus. I think that about that. If Jesus took time to teach somebody, that tells me he cares and he loved them. The rich young ruler, he loved him. Or the young man, the rich young man that came to him, he loved him. And so this, this Pharisee's there and he invites him in. While he's there, this woman, uninvited, comes running in. Here, Jesus has been treated as what we would have thought as a guest of honor. Brought in, placed there, everything's in order. (laughs) Sister Rotheron, if you had carefully prepared a meal, had everything set up in your house, everything's in order. We've selected the food. We've done it all. And then somebody that you don't know, or you maybe know them, but they live down the street. Not only that, nobody thinks very highly of them. And they don't belong in your house. And this is special. And they come storming into your house. At least that would be your definition of it. Uh, Because, not saying you're a bad lady, I don't mean that. I mean, because you have this all, and somebody shows up. Brother Terry, how would you put that? You you know, you've got everything in order, and somebody just comes in. And you're like, hold on, hold on, what are you doing here? And then they come up behind the master. And in this situation, you know, uh, when, when I'm with Bishop over here, when I'm with Bishop and we're in a situation, I typically shut up. Because I'm waiting for Him as my leader to see where He wants to go. And then I see, okay, where do I fit in with this? And what can I add? But, but I am not going to go over to the leader and say, oh, I got this situation. I got this. No, I'm not going to do that. Now, I know it's the Pharisee's house. But Jesus is the Master. And somebody just came in to see Jesus. And I'm telling you, as pastor... Here at the Church of Omaha, when Jesus walks into the service, I know He's here all the time, but when He begins to stir with His presence and make Himself known, we're here and we're like, okay, we want to make sure we're in tune with Jesus. And if He wants me just to shut up and not get behind that pulpit and not say anything more, but He's got a different work He wants to do, I'm stepping aside because He is the Master. Oh, let that also sink in in your life because you may make that, that journey to Walmart and life might be pressing on you and you're like, man, I am so stressed out right now. i got so many things going on. Why is this person wanting to see Jesus? You're like, wait, wanting to see Jesus? When they begin to talk to you and they begin to share and you, everything's overwhelming you and yet suddenly you realize God has created a God moment and He's created it and He wants you to minister. But there's other God moments. And they're, they're God moments, not just where you're ministering to somebody else. And by the way, when you are ministering to somebody else, a lot of times you'll find out that you walked away maybe with more than what they got. God blesses you. And I don't know if it's more, but it's, it's his own blessing for you. But there's other God moments. And that's when you come to church and, and, and you're like, okay, so I really want to be at church this Sunday. I really want to be there. I've got to be there. But huh? 1 o'clock. I have a meeting. Or at 1.30, we have this thing. Or, or got to be out for this. We planned that birthday party for this afternoon. I'm not putting that down. I'm not putting it down. Maybe the bills are weighing on your mind and Jesus says, I've got a God moment for you. I just want to meet you. I, I, I know Jesus. I feel you right now. As prayer goes longer and longer, you really begin to feel him, but the things begin to bombard your brain. He's like, I've got a moment that I've created for you. And trust me. And trust God. Trust Him. When He creates a moment for you, He will work the rest out. He will work the rest out. You're like, "But, but I got this thing over here. Hear me. If somebody wonders where you've been, you can just say, hold on a second. Jesus came by in a special way and He stretched His hand out and He touched me. He he came in and he connected with me. So the the man in charge of the house here, he he needs to give way to the master because the master's there. But this lady, she comes and and for his sake, she barges in. And she is what they call a sinner. Now some like to say maybe this was Mary Magdalene and some like to say that uh, maybe she was a prostitute and and they, they... I don't know that. All I know is Luke says she was a sinner. But something got a hold of her. Because you would say, does she not have any respect for Jesus? Does she not have any respect? Why would she come storming into this place today? Why would she just barge in here? If she had respect, she would have waited her turn. We've been talking about the Pharisee, now we're talking about the woman. And in both cases, Jesus knows your heart. He knows those cries and those desires, and I can tell you from personal testimony. And when other people would turn you aside, I have personally discovered that God did not turn me aside. But He has spoken into my heart very clear and very plainly. He's given me rebuke and He's given me encouragement. And He does what I find sometimes so hard to do as a parent is He both rebukes and loves in such a way and I'm like, could I rebuke like that God? Because He does it in such a drawling way. He knows the heart and He knew that woman's heart. He knew her heart. You see... What she came in and did, she brought an alabaster box. They say it had been worth like a year's wages. You can find that in another passage. It smelled beautifully, wonderfully. And she took all that and she broke it and she put it on. Uh, um, and in that, that smell would have filled the house. And she broke it and she began to wash his feet and, and to, to cry and, and to weep that ointment, weeping and washed his feet with her tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. She began to put that on there. It's in this passage. It doesn't actually say the word broke. It's another story. But she began to wipe his feet and that smell would have been going up. So this is something that would have been reserved more for a high priest, somebody special, this anointing. Anointing is something that you did to kings. She came in. And she, I don't know if she fully understood it or not, but she was anointing our high priest. And what was the role of a high priest? But he was to go into the holy of holies. And he was to take the blood. And he was supposed to put it on the Ark of the Covenant. And he was supposed to to seek God for the sins of the people. And I don't know how much she understood, but she had come in not only to the high priest, but also to the sacrifice, and to the one that is the holy of holies. Oh, she came to, 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 to the one who, who is the mercy seat. And she began to pour out her tears on his feet. She began to pour it all out on him and to to, to, to weep and to cry. You say, man, that's okay, this is beautiful, but why would she even do the feet? Jesus gives us insight. Because he turns to the man and he's teaching. He's teaching him. And he begins to tell him, he says, hey, let me tell you something, Simon. All this is going on. Now, I I wonder what it was like. Simon never said out loud, Oh, what do you think you're doing? Oh, I cannot believe this. Never said it. He said it under his breath. He said it in his heart. He's like, man, if he knew who this person was. Oh, my goodness, poor Jesus. Jesus knows. Jesus knows. You know what it must have spoke to that woman. There's a there's something here. The faith of that woman. She knew her reputation. She understood it. Oh, but she came in. And she began to to weep. And he didn't turn her away. He didn't turn her away. The the heart of this message. Actually, I got it on. On Thursday, when I was driving. Thursday, when I was driving. Because I felt like God was speaking to me about teaching and connection in my life with Him. Verse worship. Verse worship. Verse worship. And so, today, I thought on the title and I thought on. Beauty for Ashes or a return to worship. Because this woman came in, and we can have a relationship with Jesus. And we need to have a relationship with Jesus. We, we need his teaching and instruction in our life. We we need that daily. I I, I really envision for you that, that when you're at work and you're walking along and you're facing something, you're like, oh man, Jesus, we gotta go to this meeting. <laughs> and I really don't want this meeting. But uh, need your help for it, need some wisdom and advice, and oh, oh, wait, oh, yeah, thank you for that. And all right, what, how would we approach this? And oh, that's a big problem. That made me mad. You guys do this? You don't have to answer. It, uh, I do this. Um, and uh, a few times, I do not want to sound super spiritual, but I've gotten on the elevator, and I'm like, nobody's on the elevator. And they're like, tongues go- rip out, and then the elevator door is open, and you're like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think you're like, man, would you do that? I think I'm weaker than the rest of you and God's like, "Oh man, he needs that cuz otherwise it's not going to be pretty." <laughs> yeah. I I may or may not have rapidly walked ahead of an individual and when I got clear out of sight of them and no one could see me with my steel-toed boot, I found me a concrete wall. Yeah, and Still toe, I knew it was still toe, so I felt safe, and I was right. And I was like, no, no, we got this, we're good, yeah, we're good. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, uh, God is good, man. But God knows our hearts, and he knew this woman. He knew where she was at. And other people maybe would turn you away, but she came in, and instead of seeing somebody barge into the house, I have to admire her because it's. I say faith, but there's something more there. Because she came in, she came in, and she said, "I gotta worship him. I gotta find him. I've gotta worship him." It's it's a it's a desperateness. It's a place of thankfulness. It's it's instead of you saying, you know what, I'm such a sinner that I can't let Jesus see my sin. You know what that really is? That's pride. You don't think of it as pride. You say, well, I'm not good enough. But when he comes and he says, I want your rags, why would you be the one that wouldn't show up to to his party and not give him what he's asked for? It's his. And he brought you in. He brought you in. So Jesus begins to talk to the man. And he begins to tell him, he says, I tell you, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. One owed him about two months' worth of wages. Raised 500 pence and the other 50. One owed him two months and the other owed him like a year and a half. Now this isn't so extraordinary as some of the examples that Bishop gave a while back of costs that exceed anything we could ever provide. More money than a city could bring together. Nothing like that. I told you, hey, you, gotta, you got enough debt. It's gonna, if you worked for a year and a half and just paid your debt, <laughs> you wouldn't be able to eat, sleep, do anything. But if you worked for a year and a half, you could pay that debt off. You'd say, okay, can I get like a 30-year loan for that? I think we can. We, well, I can do 15. I can do 15. We're going to manage this way. Um, I've been going to the budgeting classes. Uh, I, I got all that down. And I, I, think, I think we can do this. We got all the envelopes. Year and a half. I think we can do it. You know what it does? Jesus didn't give you a mind-exploding sin here. He just said, somebody owed a little bit. They just needed a couple months to pay that off. Somebody else owed many months. They had a lot that they needed to pay. Does it seem unachievable by either one? I I, I don't know. Out of the year and a half person, maybe not so much. Maybe, Maybe they're a little more intimidated. But what he's telling him, it isn't that you think you're, the cost is so great necessarily. It isn't always that you think it's so extraordinary. Who else can I go to but Jesus? But instead what he's trying to tell him is who is going to value me more? You just invited me in to eat. But she sees in me her everything Now, she could have maybe seen him as less than that, but she chose not to. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean? You're my everything. Oh, when it says become little children, it doesn't mean that you don't get some things wrong. It just means I'm utterly dependent on you, and I want to be. Oh, you know, my children don't come in, uh, um, especially when they're really little. I'm like, why do I have to be dependent on you? Why I'm four years old and I should be able to work a job and pay for food myself? No. Instead, they're like, "Why can't I have it?" (laughs) Okay, my kids are good kids. I don't want to make them sound terrible. Um, But uh, we'll do the stereotype. The stereotype. Why can't I have it? Why? Why couldn't you do more than this? And as parents, there might be a part of you that's like, "Ooh, do I get to tell them I'm not? I really don't personally have the cattle on a thousand hills. My father does, but he didn't give me permission to sell all them right now for what you want." What do I tell them? And, uh, uh, um, but I just realized the cl- time wasn't back there and I might be flying by here pretty good. <laughs> and so, so he tells him this creditor and this situation and he lays it out. And then he says, Tell me therefore which of them will love me most? And he said, I suppose he to whom he forgave. Most. He says, thou's rightly judged. But he doesn't stop there. And this is what will eventually segue us back to Matthew. He said, seest thou this woman? I entered this house. He didn't say, and you invited me to eat, and you prepared a feast, and you had the table set, and you did all these things. This is a lovingly connection. Okay? Think of it as lovingly. He's taken time to talk to him. He says, I entered this house, and you didn't give me water for my feet. But she's washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. You didn't give me a kiss. This woman, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. Now, it was a custom to also provide some oil for the head. And my, my head with oil thou did not anoint. But she saw him in waves like a high priest or a king but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. See, the action of the worship, it took precedence. Jesus did take time to teach from it. Yes, He, he, he did, took time to, to show, but her worship came in and disrupted what appeared to be the planned meal. Because you know what? She came from a place of ashes. And God gave her beauty. Beauty. And in her worship, from her place of worship, she wasn't denying who she was. There was a whole room full that could look to say, she's a sinner. But she was willing to be a public example. To walk out and say, okay, I'm stepping in where I would be ridiculed. Where I would be put down. Where I would be cast aside. Where somebody out there would look down on me and think, well, who do you think you are? I think we all maybe have been there because the enemy of our soul likes to pound it into our head and say, you do not belong here. Well, you know who doesn't belong here is the one whispering in your ear. He has a place that is reserved for him, and he cannot escape it. Mm. So get out of here, devil. Hell wasn't made for me. It was made for you. came in and she began to worship. And I think her action of coming in demonstrated her honesty. And so Jesus says, wherefore I say to thee, her sins which are many are forgiven. Oh, he hasn't even gone to the cross yet. But he says her sins and then he goes. Oh, I mean, he, he didn't embellish, but why did you have to say that part, Jesus? He goes, which are many oh he didn't even pull her to the side and say we're not going to tell anybody about this he's like we all know we don't need to hide it her sins Mr. Pharisee you just said the one that he forgave more her sins which are many you know what I've done I've forgiven them oh but you need to hear something else in the parable he forgave both of them So I don't know where you're at. But your sins are forgiven. And your sins are forgiven. And your sins are forgiven. And your sins are forgiven. forgiven. Because all of us had a debt that we could not pay. And he took a debt he did not owe. Hallelujah. Oh, let's give him another hand clap. Let's worship him. Let's praise him. Let's thank him for his greatness, his goodness, and his mercies. So that brings us back to Matthew. I just want to hit the point a little bit more about our worship. Because Jesus had come into the, in Bethany, now prepared for the crucifixion and he knows that he's not going to get the treatment that a body normally gets, which when you die, they then adequately prepare your body and anoint it. Our master is getting ready to go to the cross. He is going to be beaten. His visage is going to be unrecognizable. And this woman, she comes in and His disciples sit there and she takes her year's worth and she takes this alabaster box and she pours it on His head. She just pours it out on His head. She anoints Him our high priest she anoints him she begins to prepare his body as he as he's there likely at the triclinium she just comes right up and behind and she pours it on him i don't care who's in the room John tells us in his story and I said it earlier but the smell filled the house you see a burial it doesn't smell very good a death is, it doesn't smell great and, and even like the burning of a sacrifice on an altar it, it doesn't burning flesh doesn't smell good but this house was filled with worship and worship smells beautifully it smells beautifully And the disciples say to him, with indignation, to what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Now in the book of John, in that anointing there by Mary, Judas is the one right before he trots off to to betray Jesus who says it because he, would, he carried the money bag. But we don't see that echoed here. We see the disciples here talking. They say with indignation, what purpose this waste? For it might have been sold for much. Now Jesus had taught to feed the poor. Jesus had taught to take care of the poor. Jesus was all about the poor. So you're a disciple and you're like, hold on a second. Does this not violate everything that you've taught Jesus? Didn't you tell us to reach the poor? I want you to understand that there's a moment in time for you to set aside everything else and just give God your unadorated worship. You're my everything. You're my all in all. You're my life. You're my hope. You're you're it. This isn't just a business meeting, Jesus. Jesus. And he says, why I trouble ye the woman, for she hath wrought a good work upon me. And he tells him, you have the poor with you always, but me you don't have always. And he says this is going to be remembered forever. There will be a memorial for her. And that she's prepared his body for the burial. But he says, you have wrought, she hath wrought a good work on me. The NIV, I think, expresses it. He doesn't just say good work. I think the meaning's lost a little bit there, but I was reading on this word, and I like how the NIV really expressed that meaning. It says, aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering? Why are you bothering this woman? She hath done a beautiful thing. To me. A beautiful thing. You see what they saw as waste, God saw as beauty. You've heard it said one person's trash is another person's treasure. The first woman was a sinner. She was somebody's trash. Can we stand to our feet? The first woman was somebody's trash. But her worship was somebody's treasure. She was down here in the eyes of everyone else. And he was up here. And I think God is calling everyone in this place today to a return to worship. Because we go through so many things and you study so much word and and you go through the days and you have those conversations. He's saying it's great, we have a relationship. But you didn't wash my feet. You didn't anoint my head. Can we just begin to talk to him for a moment? Can you let the, how, the smell fill the house? I want somebody to have faith today like that woman. I want somebody to, to understand that, that He has a meeting with you today. But what are you going to do with that meeting? Know that Jesus knows your heart. Oh, He has a meeting with you. You maybe say, He didn't invite me into the house. Go on in anyways. Keep praying. Go on in anyways. Understand that He really knows your heart. But it's up to you to give the worship. But He's doing you the dignity of saying, go ahead and worship me today. Oh, worship Him from a place of brokenness. Worship Him from a place of, oh, this is who I am. This is who you are. Oh, can somebody remember, oh, the debt that you owed. Remember the debt. Oh, let your worship take over, because that's what happened in the house. Oh, teaching in the meal was set aside, and worship took over everything. Oh, when worship from the heart steps in, it begins to take over. Oh, Jesus, everything pauses. Everything changes. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Oh, thank you for taking my ashes and giving me beauty. Oh, right now, all I want to do is see you, not see my accusers around the table. Oh, ripoko makia. hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we got a couple more minutes. Let your praise rise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, 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 holy. Holy. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Kim Walker, I'll just read a couple lyrics. I know I just have a minute here. But she has the song called Stones. And she says, Find me in the valley, standing with my hands held high. The valley will never take my song. Find me in the desert, holding on to you for life. The desert will never take my song. Oh, the desert will never take my song. She goes on to say, I will praise you. I will praise you. I won't let the stones cry out. I won't let this. And the longer the wait, the longer I'll praise. The longer the pain, the stronger my faith grows. The higher the need, the higher I'll reach. The greater the cost, the more I'll believe. For the longer the wait, the longer I'll praise. The stronger the the pain, the stronger my faith grows. The higher the need, the higher I'll reach, the greater the cost, the more I'll believe. For I will praise you. When we come back second half, can we just worship Him and praise Him? Can you find me in the desert? I'm going to praise Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll see you in ten minutes. Go ahead. Worship Him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.